Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Poolside Perspectives Podcast. I am Kevin Woodhurst, and with me is my good friend, Mike Farley, and we're so glad you found this podcast. Together, we have been homeowner advocates in outdoor living and the pool industry for over 30 years. So we understand the challenges you face creating your backyard paradise. We know your curiosity is not enough to ensure your success. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the design process and practical steps to help you create that space. We'll have some fun mixed in with it, some aha moments, and this is no fluff. No one has time for that. So we're going to get serious and get very particular about all of these topics. Whether you are a new homeowner with your first remodel or a seasoned homeowner competing your last dream home, we are here to help you end up with what you dreamed of. From pools to patios, pizza ovens to pergolas, porcelain to pumps, pool party to permits, ping pong tables to the processes to your paradise. This is straight talk and action steps. Let's get started. Hey, Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. So am I. So tell me about your day. Give me a brief one-minute synopsis of what you did today. I went to a job sites and checked a couple of job sites that were nice and muddy because we had lots of rain. I noticed that the mud's pretty sticky here. That goes with that clay soil. Yeah. So well, it depends on where you're at. Sometimes you get sticky and sometimes you don't. Yeah, that's true. So That's true. It's a Monday, so trying to catch up on everything and communicate with people and try to get all the ducks in a row. And But yes, I did go out to a job site and also had what we call a layout meeting. Mm-hmm. So we painted the pool graffiti on the ground and walked over it with the client and they're all excited about us having something that they can swim in in seven months or so. Sure. You stay involved with your projects from start to finish because any designer, I'm assuming, maybe not any, I like to stay involved in them as well because we're creating these spectacular projects for people and we want them to turn out good. Oh, it's fun to see things built. Yes, it is. I've got this crazy idea in my head and then I put it on paper and then Megan puts it on 3D, or, or you, you do all those steps by yourself, so, so you have all those skills. I don't have them all. But, I'm lacking in some others. But the fun thing is to see it get built. One is the layout meeting was helpful to see, but also it was really cool to go by the job site because we're at the point that we're doing a lot of masonry work on this particular one, which has a lot of organic material on it. It's mm. boulders that were brought in from Colorado, oh, wow. so it's a huge thing. I agree. I was at a PK earlier today, freezing my tail off because it's cold in North Texas. Yes. was a little bit taken back of how cold it actually was. And also the wind was blowing. And when I was flying, my drone was having a really hard time even just staying in one place. The wind was blowing it all over the place. But it is very fun. And it's just exciting to see a job go from your creative genius, our creative genius, whatever, and watching it go through the process and seeing it completed. I, I don't know how you can't not stay involved with some of these projects. It's just some people enjoy that process and other people just want to move on to the next one. So mm, anyway, everybody's different, but that's that. part of my, if I was in this business to make money strictly and it wasn't about the fun of the process, then. I probably wouldn't go to job sites because that would take time out of my schedule, but I'm not into it just to make money. I want to have fun. That's why we're doing this podcast. So that is true. All right. So on today's episode, which is episode eight, we're going to be talking to you about all kinds of stuff. Fun. Exercise is one of the things that comes up that I ask people about all the time when I'm considering how you're going to use your pool. And almost notoriously, when I ask people, pick the t- Op one, two, three, four, or I say, what's not important at all? Almost everybody says, we don't need exercise. So do you think that's a good idea? People use pools for different reasons. Valid. Anyway, but a pool is a phenomenal place to exercise. Absolutely it is. I have two hip replacements. So I'm the bionic man. And so when I went in for my first hip replacement, My doctor said, Mike, you need to be exercising between now and the the surgery, and I need you to lose some weight because you're too chunky here. So can you please lose some of these pounds before the surgery? And I said, it's really hard for me to do anything because of the pain in the joint. And he's like, Mike, you designed and built my swimming pool. And I said, yes, sir. He said, I assume you have a swimming pool. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, do you 
ever swim in your swimming pool? And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay. He said, what do you do for exercise? And I said, I usually do some calisthenics and I- Water aerobics. I do running. And he's like, have you ever ran in the pool? And I was like, no. And he's like, so you run on the dry ground, but you won't run in your pool. He said, are you an idiot? And I was like, sometimes. (laughs) He's like, Mike, there's no impact on you when you exercise in your swimming pool. I said, so for someone that's going to get a hip replacement or has a bad hip right now, that is probably the best thing in the world that you can do. You don't need to swim. You just need to move and do whatever you do normally. Just do it in water. Sure. And I went out there and I was simply amazed because I'm stupid sometimes. In fact, it was a harder workout than if I was running just on the ground because there was more resistance. Absolutely. You look at people that are swimmers, most of them are in spectacular health. Yes, they are. There's a lot of super advantages in exercising in a swimming pool. And I think the point you're making is that you don't have to have a lap pool in order to exercise in a pool. In reality, any pool could be an exercise pool. Almost definitely. So I had a client when I first moved to Denton and she came in and she was 85 years old. And I was like, you want a pool now when you're 85 years old? And she said, yeah. God love her. My blasted husband died. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, oh, don't be sorry. I can get a pool now. He never would let me Uh have a pool. And I said, oh, and this lady, she told me she was 85 years old. She looked like she was maybe 60. She was in very good health. And I said, so that sounds really good. What do you want to use the pool for? And she says, I go to the gym every day and I work out in the pool. And she said, so I want the pool at my house so I can enjoy it there. And I need two exercise bars, one on each side of the pool. And I said, okay, why do you need two? And she says, well, I invite guests over when I'm doing my workout and they try to keep up with me. And most of them have a really hard time, but we definitely need two exercise bars so we can use that. And she says, I work out in it every day. She wanted a heater so she could heat it to last as long as she could. But it was really amazing the health that she had and she never swam at all. It was just simply water aerobics. Yeah, I've heard there's a lot of different types of water aerobics you can do in a pool. But to your point about just exercise and health, this is another great reason to have a swimming pool is just for that. All of us want to be in good health and we want to take care of ourselves, or at least I would think most people would. But to have a pool in the backyard to do some of that, that's pretty exciting. That's good stuff. There are people that do want to use it for swimming. Not me. My daughter, she likes to swim. Okay, she was on the swim team. So there are some things that sometimes people want when they're going to use it for swimming. And so one of the, a couple of the design features that I realized when I first started was if someone's going to use it for exercise, I want to put my pool steps on the side of the pool mm-hmm. instead of on the ends. So you're not running into them? Yeah. So you try to flip turn where you've got those three steps there. Kinda That's rough. Like it's kind of a rough situation. So Well, and also the depth of the pool's got to be taken into consideration for those as well. I mean, I need at least six feet to do that kind of turn. Six feet. Wow. wow. So she told me that she needs three and a half. She's a very flexible 85-year-old. I am not very flexible at all. Way too many accidents. Uh, okay. So if someone's going to swim, one of the things I ask them if they were a competitive swimmer. Because if you've been a competitive swimmer, your definition of swimming is totally different than us non-competitive swimmer types. True. So from a length standpoint, but if we keep the steps and benches to the side and then we have a lot of people like, it's got to be a rectangular pool for me to exercise, right? My comment is no, you can have something that's curved Mm -hmm. as long as you got a straight point to swim from point A to point B through the middle of it. What's around you really doesn't come into play as long as you have they told me six and a half feet. I need a six and a half feet lane going right. down through the middle of this thing so I can swim through it. And some of them wanted markers on the bottom of the pool, very distinct markers. And other people are like, oh, if you could give me just one tile down there on the bottom of the floor, every five feet or so, mm-hmm. I can just see that when I'm swimming. And then some people wanted targets on the end of the pool where they can swim. And then I've even had people say, I want an Olympic length pool. So... It used to be it was 75 feet because we used the English method, but mm-hmm. then we switched to metric. 
And I didn't know it the other day. And I had a client that I was like, isn't it like 82 feet? 25 meters. And he said, no, it's not 82 feet, Mike. It's 82 feet and a half inch. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, let's not forget the half inch. So when we built his pool, it was Olympic length and it's 82 feet and a half inch. That's the way to do it. Most people aren't training for the Olympics. Yeah, but the point is really good because if you think you're going to swim laps, you do have to make some sort of swim lane where there's not something encroaching into the swim lane. Plus, the last thing you want is a marker is a pool light. Oh, yeah. That's why we ask the questions that we ask. And they may seem simple, but a lot of people don't think about them. And everybody's different in what they want. Most people don't want markers on the ends of the pool. And some people want different things on the floor. Some people don't want anything at all. But we also, I've had people want, I need it at least 13, 14 feet wide because my children are going to race each other all the time. And so what are common links? If somebody's going to use a pool for exercise, are there particular links you think of that come up commonly? I typically would suggest at least 40 feet. Right. But to your point, it just depends on what they're going to do, what they want, but also what kind of room that you have. And of course, the shape of the pool, the design of the pool. Right. And these pools can be multifaceted. We can design them for anything. It can look pretty and be used for exercise. Absolutely. I think a lot of people don't look for initially, but as they get up in age like me, and I won't say you, but anyway, I'll just say like me. I'm older than you. By a couple of months. Okay, whatever. So you look for things that have less impact on the knees and the shoulders and things like that, that you can actually then use and enjoy working out and not get up the next morning and have a horrible workout hangover because of the impact on your body. That competitive nature of people, I mean, it could be a couple of guys racing to the swim up bar. That's some competitive stuff going on there, no? It could happen. It would be hard to do a flip turn against the bar stools, though. And carry the drink. Yeah, can't have everything. That's true. That's true. So along with exercise, a lot of times people are looking at extending their season. And so there's certain things that they want to look at extending the season. And we talked briefly about heaters and heat pumps and those type of things earlier, but those are both things that are very beneficial for you to extend the season. One of the things I've found out over the years with people that are looking for a pool to specifically exercise in, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for 12 months of exercise. So they are wanting heaters. They're, in some cases, automatic pool covers, anything to help reduce the cost of the energy just to heat it. So pool cover is one of those things. But there's definitely that clientele that's looking for a pool to exercise. And you probably have done pools where that's literally the only thing that was taken into into account is just an exercise pool. And there's not a whole lot more there going on. Yes, I have had some that were definitely for exercise. The first one I ever ran into when I was in Northern California, and they're like, we need the pool to be 75 feet long because we're going to exercise in it. We're not going to use it for anything else. And I was like, nothing else. And they're like, we want it six and a half wide by 75 foot long. I said, okay, how long are you going to be in this house? We're dying in this house. I said, y'all are a young couple. Going to have kids? Nope, no kids. We're not planning on having kids at all. And I said, how about we do this? How about we put an area in maybe in the middle of this so we have some legs going out both ways that we could float around and maybe cool off in and splash around in and that type of thing. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and add a little bit of space because it wouldn't add that much cost because we've got this long length we're already dealing with. So if we put something a little wider in the middle of it, so it looked like a big snake that had swallowed something and had this bulge out in the, the middle type situation. It was funny. I called them up about three years later and I said, could I do a photo shoot? And they said, yeah, you can. We'll just need to take the safety fence down. I said, the safety fence? Oh yeah, we've had a child. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't think we were going to have a child, but we have a child now. So we've got a safety fence around the pool, but we sure are glad that we did that spot in the middle because we found that gets used a whole lot more than just the swimming aspect of it. You know, when we talked about that, I don't know which episode it was, but because I had brought up something about, and it reminded me when you just talked, 
when you ask them how long they were going to be in the house. Yes. And that's a conversation I'm typically having with people too, especially when the pool, and here's the point. If you make the pool so specialized and so unique to you, that might have an impact on resale. Certainly. What you pointed out was they should do whatever it is that they want. And I think we had a different perspective on that. Yes. I don't know that they're necessarily different. We might just ask the questions differently. What I try to get people to think about is, okay, there's now. Mm -hmm. Okay, just don't design for now because things are going to change later on. Along the same venue, I have people that I talk to that probably 50% of them want diving pools when I go into the first meeting. And after we talk about it, probably 15% of them stay with a diving pool because we talk about what's the next 10 years going to be like and is it really going to fit your needs through that whole period of time versus today. When you built a diving pool, if I remember right. No. No, yours isn't a diving pool. No, it is not a diving pool. No. I've never personally built a diving pool for myself. The deepest pool I've ever built for for our family was uh, six feet deep. Right. We'll get into those things again on some other episode, but you certainly want to consider what you're going to use it for now, but exercise is something that is greatly beneficial. So the cover is something that a lot of people consider when they're doing exercise because covers, I think, fall into kind of three different camps. There's three reasons to do a cover. One is because you want to keep the pool warm. So if that wind's blowing like it does here, as you experienced earlier today, if you can block it, you can keep the heat in the space. So that's one reason you want to cover. The second reason you want to cover is to help keep debris out. Mm -hmm. There's pros and cons to that aspect of it. But the third thing you want to cover for is safety. And with safety, certain covers are going to be very beneficial to keep everything out, not just debris, but children. Sure. Some people find that highly beneficial. I'm a pool cover fan. Yeah. And oddly enough, I did a lot of them in Phoenix. Yeah. I did. What was the driving factor with covers? To your point, the safety. Yes. The pool stays cleaner. Yes. uh, The evaporation goes down substantially. Oh, that's a good point. You use less chemicals. Convenience factor, you save energy. There's just all kinds of good points to have in a pool cover, but you have some limitations on shape. Unless you get really creative, which we're capable of doing, but it just escalates the cost and it doesn't look as good. So there's just certain covers I think that look real good because they're integrated into the pool shape and you can hardly even tell that they're there when the pool's open. That to me is a way to do it, but it doesn't always work out that way and there's other options to do it. But I love covers. I think they're great. With the cover, you said integrated. What, What do you mean by integrated? They're built into the pool underneath the coping the edge of the pool, and it goes into a real system that's in the end of the pool that's covered with the same material as the deck. So you you can't really tell that there's a cover there until you see that there's a cover there. So there's secret trap doors that you open to access the cover and do maintenance on the motor and stuff like that. Yes, there actually is. Oh, wow. How fun. So with that cover, there's no tracks on top of the ground. They're recessed underneath the coping. If it's integrated. So you have to build that when you're building the pool. Correct. Okay. You can do a remodel and add it to the pool, but it's going to be costly. Okay. I know that I saw in Northern California when I worked there, covers were really popular there mm-hmm. as well. Covers, I've done more here recently, but covers in Northern California, I had one neighborhood that I probably had 30 different covers And so it was like, oh, you want to see an application of this? Oh, that's at so-and-so's house. Or you can go over here down the block and see this type situation. But they even did covers where we put tracks on top of the deck on Mm -hmm. existing pools. And the cover covered the water and part of the deck deck, and rolled up into a big redwood box down at the end that was Mm -hmm. like a bench. So you could sit on it type situation. But that's where the cover got rolled up into. Or just a reel. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that type situation as well. Well, and so just to clarify, the type of cover I'm talking about is the one that's actually built with a brand new swimming pool, integrated tracks along the sides with a reel hidden underneath a cover on the end. Is that the ones where they have people walking on the cover in ads and that type of thing? I've seen them. I don't know that I would encourage anybody to do that. We're trying to save a life here when we're looking at it from safety. So It's not a water trampoline? No. I had a client that Their dog thought it was great fun to run across the cover 
And literally the dog would wear a cover out about every four years, the surf, uh, the material of it. Yeah, but there's also different types of covers. There's loop lock covers. That's yeah. a great cover, but you're pretty much done for the season unless you want to take the time to go out and undo it. But that's a great cover. And I've seen elephants stand on those. Right. I'm pretty certain a man could stand on them. It was a small elephant. But, oh, yeah. yeah. But it was an elephant nonetheless. In my neighborhood where I live, 25% of the people have loop lock covers because of the debris. I thought you were going to say 25% of the people have elephants. Oh, no. That's another neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> Not ours. We live in what I call the oak thicket. It's heavily wooded. And the loop lock cover is basically like a trampoline. Mm -hmm. It has springs that attach to the cover into a pin mechanism that goes recessed into the deck. And you put that on in the spring. No, you take it off in the spring and you put it on in the fall and it stays there all winter and keeps everything from getting inside the pool. And so that's considered a type of cover. And then to your point on the above deck cover, then we've got the recessed track cover. And then they also call a bubble cover a cover, and that's not really a cover. So it covers up the pool. It has a function, but have you ever fallen into one? No. Safety-wise, those are scary. Oh, my gosh. I fell into one because I used to have service routes. I've done built those, and I fell into one one day. So this bubble cover is like your bubble wrap that goes into packing that's laid on the surface of the yes, water. Yes, it's just laying on the surface of the water, and I sunk straight to the bottom, and that thing wrapped around me, and my entire life went before my eyes in about three seconds. Yeah. Fortunately, it was a play pool, so I was able to get my footing and stand up. But I personally think those things are dangerous for that reason. So I tell people with pets, especially dogs mm -hmm. with some weight that, yeah, that's a really dangerous cover because the dog thinks they can run out on that surface and it'll kill them. Bringing up the pets is a great point anyway. Yeah. Pets in the pool, it's going to happen. That's a great point. The reason you would use a bubble cover is for insulation for your heating aspects solely. That's, Heat retention and passive solar. Yeah. I know that some cities would require you to have one if you had a hot tub. Because they want you to put that over to save energy when you heat the hot tub up. That's I've never seen anybody do it, but that was a city requirement. I remember in a couple of cities I worked with. And we used to pass around the cover for inspections. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. So the solar blanket, yes, not a safety cover at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is just to keep the wind from hitting the surface and give you some passive solar, as you just said. There's a product called Liquid Blanket. Okay. You put that in the pool, and that supposedly creates a transparent cover right at the surface that helps retain the heat. I've never used it. I don't know if it works real well. I've seen it at the pool show, but I have never used it either. But we've got different types of covers for different reasons. You and I were on a job this last spring. I came out with you on a job we were looking at in, in Colleyville, and those people wanted a cover, but it was an enclosure cover that could be open and closed, correct? So it's a very popular cover, covering mechanism that's used in Europe. And this mechanism is above the surface of the pool, mm -hmm. and it telescopes back to the wall of the house so you can open and shut it and basically create a insulated space inside of the area. So mm -hmm. it's like a movable building almost in the sure. fact that, and then I do know of some people that have used like a big, what I call it, a tent that goes over the sure. pool for the winter time mm -hmm. to cover that. So that's a, a different thing that covers the whole thing and then you keep that aired up. It's almost like a balloon yes. or something like that because they've got some sort of contraption blowing air into it to keep it expanded, inflated, if you will. But yes, that's another type of cover that's going to create, as you said, an environment with a pool in it. And it would serve lots of functions at that point, but they are not very attractive. <laughs> looks like you've got, what was it? can't remember that movie where they had the big bubble over everything. The alien rode around on the bicycle. Anyway, someone will tell me later on what that was. E.T.? Oh, that's the one. When they came in and did the protection around them. Oh, the house. The yeah. house, yeah. That's what they did, yeah. Okay. That's a great example of what it is. Right. So for all of you that don't know what we're talking about, you want to see a classic, you can watch E.T. and figure it out. And phone home. Yes. Or you can phone us. 
That's true. That's true. One thing we didn't mention earlier, if you have a question about something and you want us to address it, send a response in on the website to the question of the day and we will respond to your question. Yeah, we love getting them. We sift through them and try to find the ones that would be helpful, most helpful for everybody. Send those requests in. Keep them coming. So safety, we talked about covers, but that's a very important feature to a lot of people when they're building a pool is what are forms of safety that we can use around the pool other than a built-in cover type situation. There's a whole list of things that I was thinking about. So when you think about it, what's the thing that comes up to you first? With covers? No, just the safety, something for safety around a swimming pool. The way I've always looked at it, and I actually was part of the National Drowning Prevention Coalition for a while and did some speaking there, and it's pretty tough listening to the stories. Parents lose a child. That's tough to listen to. But for safety, for sure, but multiple layers of safety. Phoenix is 34, 35% of the houses in Phoenix have a swimming pool. So we have a problem every year with drowning. And whether or not it's a couple kids or more than that. And so I always have preached multiple layers of safety. So alarms on doors. I've always very much enjoyed the the pool turtle. Have you heard of the pool turtle? Yeah, I thought that was a really cool thing. That thing invention. is the coolest thing ever. What I thought it was really cool for is especially grandparents. Yes. So your grandkids are just there for a brief period of time. You're concerned about them from a safety standpoint. This is a bracelet that you wear. Put it on their ankle, their bracelet. There's a little tool to take it on and off. They can't get it off. And so it's shaped like a turtle, so it's cool. Yep. Safety turtle is what it's called. And so if they fall into the water, then the alarm goes off. It sounds a shriekingly loud chime inside the house. It's a great product. So I had a client that put it on their dog collar. That's a great idea. Yeah. So as well, just because if their dog fell in the pool, that way that they would know about it because mm-hmm. they had a dog that had lost eyesight and they just moved into a house with a pool. And so they were concerned about it. Uh, so that becomes one layer. And then the self-latching, self-closing doors on the house, an alarm system on the house when the doors open up. So one of the things you can do is if you Google pool safety, there's a whole list of things that come Mm -hmm. up. And the door alarms, a lot of cities require them by code that they have to be installed. And a lot of people are like, why in the world do we need these? And so they have to be done on your initial installation. And if you choose to remove them, that's fine. I understand if you don't have small children, why that's not an issue. The cities want to go to great lengths to make sure that you set up a safe situation as well multiple layers. There's a really cool camera that's came out this last year, but a couple years and it uses AI. So one of the things that I always had a problem with is some of the things that you used from a safety standpoint, if you set them where they were sensitive enough to go off when a child fell in, that you'd get wind on the surface of the pool and they'd go off or somebody threw a basketball or something in the pool and it would go off just so very slight things. But this one actually uses AI to determine what caused the effect. And then they send you a message directly to your phone, as well as an alarm, as well as there are several layers of things that and it's instantaneous mm-hmm. on when it occurs. So uh, I thought that was a really cool piece of equipment. Like I said, it came out two years ago. It was the first time I saw it at one of the shows. Years ago, there was a sonar system Yes. Did you ever install one of those? I installed one. Oh, I'd like to hear about it. Again, it was underwater sonar for safety. And the clients were frustrated after we put it in because there were several false alarms that went off with it. And it was an expensive piece of equipment. So someone developed it in Arizona. And we were one of the few people that actually installed the system. And... They liked it for the most part, but they were frustrated when they would get faults. Yeah, well, it's going to happen. Yeah. I've only installed one, and it's actually in my neighborhood where I currently live. The little kids that they bought it to protect were the same age as my kids, and so now they're like 30 years old. So They're F-16 pilots or something. So they're probably now protecting it with their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Again, your mention of several layers of safety. So there's some things that cities, again, also want so you can protect people that aren't on your property. So like we have to have self-closing and latching gates. So when somebody goes and pushes on a gate 
it will automatically latch because it swings out to the public space. So they don't want it to swing open that a child can then go into the backyard. And the latches have to be up at 54 inches, I believe is what the height is. And the gate has to swing out. So when you push on it, it latches. And so with those two things, and there has to be a spring on it, so it automatically shuts. So those are three things that we have to do to an existing gate when we go to get a pool final. And most gates don't have those features on them. So we have to modify the gate to set up for that. There's also on fences, a lot of times there's the wood fences around here are built with what's called a stringer that runs the rails. Mm -hmm. And so the middle rail, they want you to put a board on it that's cut with a 45 degree angle. So it's called a non-climb. So when you step on it, your foot slips off. So that's required by a lot of cities, which is really awkward because this has to be installed in your neighbor's side. Because their side can claim them over to get into your pool. If it's on your side, not a problem unless they're putting in a pool. Correct. I've had a couple of cases where homeowners have said, no, I'm not going to let you in my yard to do anything. And we had to get something signed by them that told the city that they refused to have that service done. So anyway, it's an awkward situation, especially if someone's got a painted fence or a really special stain or something sure. like that, that you're trying to match up with. So it doesn't become an eyesore, but it's all about, again, safety. Absolutely. And since you just said that, I'm going to bring up an unscripted public service announcement. Okay. And it has to do with, if you have a pool, if you own a piece of property that has a pool that is not in working order, please completely drain it. Now, if you're in North Texas and you've got groundwater problems, that could be an issue. But here's the bigger problem is when these pools aren't properly maintained, that water turns green. It eventually turns to black. And if somebody falls into that pool, they may not be found for some time. One way or the other, if you have a pool that is not working, you need to be conscientious of the safety aspects of it. Plus, it becomes a cesspool. It attracts mosquitoes. It attracts bugs. One way or the other, you're going to have to figure out what to do with it, whether you're repairing it or draining it. If you're in Phoenix, you can drain your pool. We don't have a groundwater problem there. If you're listening from other parts of the country, you've got to take a look at a couple different things. But it is a massive safety issue and a big problem to leave a pool with water in it, halfway full, a quarter full, even all the way full, that is dark green and black. Please do something. So here, what you were talking about with a high water table mm -hmm. and floating a pool. So if you drain a pool, lots of pools have a hydrostatic relief valve, which yep. is built into the, the drain. So you can release that. And so then you don't have an issue with flotation. So that's something that you can do as well. I want to jump back, and I forgot. There's a couple of things that people always ask me when they're doing covers, like an automatic built-in cover. Mm -hmm. And one of the things comes in with, can you still have a spa? As long as your spa isn't raised above the pool, then the cover can go over the top of it. And so then you have a very safe situation for the pool and the spa. So... One tip that a lot of times people don't think about is that you want to put the spa on the end that's opening first. Yes. So you don't have to open the whole pool up to access the spa. So a lot of times that spa and the steps will go together. So they take up kind of one end of the pool so you can open that piece. And if your step's only six inches deep, you don't have a safety issue with someone falling in when the spot you're accessing the spa. Mm -hmm. So I like doing it that way. In fact, I have a couple of designs right now. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So it makes it a very nice, very efficient situation. Plus, the bonus of the safety is you can keep it warmer, the pool as a whole. So that's really cool. Now, there's a couple other things that I've seen that can be from a safety standpoint with a pool. And so one is there's this thing that looks like a truck cargo net that goes over the surface instead of a cover so you can see all around the pool but it's like a net so kids can't get into the water itself so that's an alternative that i've seen and that's strictly for safety because so, it's not gonna keep pool any cleaner no not gonna help with chemicals evaporation none of that stuff but it is a safety feature it's a good one anything helps the other thing that most people come to me asking about is a fence should I put a fence in between my pool and my public space in my house? 
So we can go into the backyard and the pool's just in a different area. So you have much requests for that? Not really. Not recently, anyway. People have asked for it before. I think part of the reason for that is, and it just, you've been building pools here longer than I have, but in Phoenix, every single yard already has a wall around it. Phoenix is so different because people have privacy there. You're not exposed and open to everybody else. And I guess it just depends on where the pool's going to be. A lot of those yards are smaller. Some of these places here, they're estate yards. They're big yards. There's all kinds of places to put the pool. And I suppose if you're not going to put the pool someplace where you can enjoy it from the house and see it from the house and hear it from the house, then that would probably be one of the only ways to do is put a fence all the way around it. And then there's different types of fences. There's the mesh safety fences, which in a lot of cities don't recognize as being a fence. Some do do not. It's just like some cities will recognize an automatic pool cover as a barrier, and you don't have to have a fence, or you don't have to have a secondary fence or something. It just depends on the municipality. So I don't know of any city in Texas that will approve a mesh fence because they're removable. It's a temporary barrier. Now, again, they're really cool if you're dealing with a certain age that you're going to have children, and then after that age, you want to take the fence away. It becomes something that can be removed fairly easily. The other thing that's nice about it is I've had grandparents, again, use those because they're going to put it up for two weeks out of the year, and then the rest of the time it's rolled up in the garage uh, until the grandkids visit again. So it's something that provides a a level of safety for that aspect. The mesh also is nice because you can see through it. It's like the screen on your house. And so when they give you a choice of white, brown, or black, always pick black because a white mesh fence stands out very clearly from probably the moon. Another type of safety cover would be, and well, this will be a shout out to all our Florida builder friends and people in Florida, is those literally they put a room over a pool, a screen room. It's obnoxious looking. They're huge. They're big, but I would think would be great for safety unless you're coming out of the house into the pool area and then there's got to be something else. Yeah, it keeps the mosquitoes out for sure. And I hear they're as big as alligators there. It keeps the alligators out too. That's true. And I've seen pictures of residential pools with alligators in them. That would be interesting. Yeah, not my cup of tea. I'm Mm. not into alligator wrestling. No. There's many levels of this. So one I've done also on a couple of projects is they wanted glass. So they wanted a glass fence. So they could see through it to the pool that it didn't block their visions. Like the view fence products? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you could look out and some people do glass railings and that type of situation, but it's similar type situation. So to create a barrier for one side of the yard to the other, but you could still see through it. The coolest one that I've heard recently though is the movable floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something else. You Have you seen many of them? I've only seen pictures of them and I've seen videos of them. They're pretty amazing. And I got to imagine quite the technical install. Oh yeah. So you have basically a floor that's in place that is lifted up and down by a hydraulic system. And so you can make the pool a patio. So you walk outside, there's no water that you can see whatsoever. And then you can drop the floor down and you can have it six inches and it's a splash pad. Yeah. And you can drop it down 18 and it's a kiddie pool. Or you can drop it down to a recreational depth and hang out there. So it allows you the capability to move this floor up and down to create whatever situation accommodates your family needs at the particular time. I guess that would be one way to get a flat floor on a swimming pool. Although I bet you underneath that, it's actually sloped to the center or someplace else to a drain. Correct. My understanding of those pools which is very limited, is that the deck is up at the same level as the deck around it, but as it slowly goes down, that water is just slowly coming up around the outside of it. And also, I would imagine there has to be potentially a surge tank somewhere, depending on the type. I don't know if there's a surge tank or not. I believe all the water's underneath this deck. So the floor has got to be real. I mean, it's what typically from the top of the deck to the top of water is three inches plus the thickness of the decking surface. You're only going to have 
maybe a four or five. I guess it could be thicker because it's just sitting in water, but you're still taking up space. And so that's going to get displaced. So I don't know that it can work that way either. I don't know. I'll have to do some research on it as you brought it up. I think it's something that we need to check out. I know there's an exhibit at the international show that we should check out. Let's do it. I'll do a video there then. Yeah, that'd be cool. Again, as Kevin said in the beginning, what you want is multiple levels of safety. So when we built our pool, our level of safety was swim lessons, Mm -hmm. number one. So number two, and swim lessons, you can have, it's amazing how young a child can learn to swim. My kids were swimming at two. Oh, I've seen people. Babies. Three months old Mm -hmm. type situation learn how to do a roll and float on their back and swim and that type of thing, which is amazing from a safety standpoint. So that's something that's a priceless gift that you can give a child is to teach them how to swim. And that's something that will be a great benefit their whole life. My mom thought that was very important. She did not know how to swim. So she took us out to the ocean in Jersey and threw us in. Get to the shore. (laughs) Yeah, I remember my grandfather taught me how to swim when I was pretty young. They just threw me out in the middle and said, Get to the side, boy. And if you had to come in and get me until I got it right, that's what happened. But it worked. It worked. And that is the thing is it worked. Whatever it is that makes that works, do it. That is a gift to somebody to know how to swim. My uncle, who was like a dad to me, and I love this man, he never learned to swim. So whenever we were somewhere, he would never go in over his waist anywhere. He's terrified of water. Right. And I just think that's thought it was awful. And he's I'm not gonna learn at this point in my life. Number one, teach them to swim. Number two, in our house, is we put a deadbolt in. And the deadbolt was key only. It wasn't a toggle that you could turn. To in. the fence? No, to the door. Oh, okay. Going into the, we only had one door into the backyard. So deadbolt, five feet high, and there were two keys. I had one on my key ring, or I had one on hers. So that's required in Phoenix. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You have to have a, your normal door handle, and then a deadbolt style lock or something that locks out by itself, 54 inches. So it's what, four and a half feet up. Yeah. That's a minimum. We put it up pretty high because we figured it'd take a while. Trey's seven feet tall. He must have got, grew pretty fast when he was younger. He, he did grow fast. So anyway, that sufficed. So every family is going to have different levels that they feel comfortable with. Some people, it's going to be a camera. Some people, it's going to be an arm. Some people, it's going to be a fence. Some people are going to teach their kids how to swim. Everybody's going to be different, but you want to make sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing. Oh, and some people just are like, we waited until the kids were four and five years old before we decided to build a swimming pool. Sure. And the other thing with kids is kids are so resourceful. I mean, they figure stuff out. Oh, yeah. That's why the multiple layers of safety is important. Yeah. It's like an escape room. What you're trying to do is make sure they don't escape. I have a quick question for you when you were talking about drones earlier we all run into anywhere that you were doing that you had to have any kind of permits and stuff oh yeah so laura my wife is a licensed drone pilot and she can only fly a drone in certain areas especially her phantom drones because they were bigger drones now the newer ones weigh less yeah there's some guidelines on that and so the guidelines if you go below a certain weight then you're basically a hobbyist. Yeah, and you have to keep it under 400 feet. 400 feet's pretty high. <laughs> there. plenty never more than that. Uh, we had like the Dallas film. I'm not sure exactly, but they work with the city, like promoting Dallas to film movies and stuff. And they were talking about to film downtown with a drone. You had to interview with the FAA, and you had to have a million-dollar insurance liability. policy, yeah, liability policy, just to be able to operate downtown. I'm sure. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Actually, some of it's become less restrictive here lately. When Laura started first flying, like if we were going to fly anywhere near an airport, she had to submit something in writing and 30 days before we were going to fly, all that kind of stuff. You can do it from the controller now. Yeah. Just where we were going to fly and take pictures of a job site and we were four miles from a dinky little airport in McKinney, you know, that type of thing. Some of it's got a lot better, but she's concerned that it's going to get worse, especially for the people that aren't FedEx and Amazon and all that stuff. So, Oh, sure. It'll probably, yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it makes sense because it makes sense. I'm saying it makes sense that they would 
put in yet something else to create another revenue stream amongst other things. Oh yeah. That's where they're going. Yeah. It's drones for deliveries. Okay. So one of the fences that we didn't talk about was an iron fence. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, that's a very common situation that's used. Pickets have to be four feet apart. It's non-climbable. You mean four inches? Oh, I was thinking the height again. But that four foot one, that's the one you can get through. Yes. And certainly get through four feet. So four inches, you can't have the pickets more than four inches apart. Now, some cities, as you were mentioning, you can do a four foot tall fence here. And some cities require a five foot fence and some cities require a six foot fence. What I do like here is these eight foot fences brings me to that privacy that I like yes. in my backyard. Right. And I look at those fences here because there's no eight foot fences in Phoenix, but there's some beautiful stained cedar eight foot tall fences, especially after they've just been built. They're just gorgeous. Oh yeah. And, and now we're private. You're not going to see over to the neighbor and say hi. There's a TV show about that too. Is there? I think so. Oh, you're, you're talking about Tim Allen and the, what was that show called? Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Thank you, Spider. Yeah, thanks, Spider. Yeah, and he used to peek his head over the fence. Yeah. yeah. Here at this, just because a lot of these, they're multi-million dollar estates with wrought iron fencing with a million dollar pool and you're right there for everybody to see. Landscaping. That's, but, but maybe that's because you want everybody to see it. I don't know. So, but iron is a, a certainly a, a nice fence from a safety standpoint mm-hmm. that you can use. I highly recommend not to use the one with the pick the spears on top. You know, yeah, that's a cruel situation. It's nice to have a flat top, make it clean and simple. I agree. So I agree. And also with the iron fencing to have it powder coated as much as possible. Yeah. What color? Black. Oh, okay. Again, black blends in better than any other. I'm a black guy. I like black. I have a black truck. I like black pools. I got a black pen. One thing as we talk about different features that people consider, we talked about exercise. Current is sometimes an alternative than the length of the pool. Sure. So I'll never. You're talking about current to swim against. Current to swim against. Mm-hmm. So I was walking through the pool show as I like to do and see if I see anything new. And this was about 15, 16 years ago. I walked by and I'm like, what did I just see? And I turned around and walked back. This guy's showing a video about someone kayaking in a swimming pool. And wow. he was going after it, not just casually, but going after it against a current. And I stopped and I started talking to him about it. And he said, oh, this is, you can create current in swimming pools. And I'm like, what for? Who's going to ride around in a kayak? He's <laughs> like, people like to do lazy rivers. And I'm like. You mean the resort type things? People want to put them in their backyard? And he's like, yeah, that's what people would consider it for. And I was like, well, that's an interesting concept. Never had anybody ask for that. And so I took his information and filed it away. And several years later, sure enough, somebody asked for it. And I was like, oh, where's that kayak guy? I think he was three or four years ago. I went through my files and found it. And I was like, sure enough. So one of the things... Anytime something comes up new that I'm like, I've not got a lot of experience in this. I find that I'd learn much better from other people's mistakes. So go ahead and let other people do it, make the mistakes and figure out the corrections and then jump on board. Oh yeah. That's Uh, a great idea. hundred percent. I'm all over that. I call it ambitiously lazy. I I call it mitigating risk. uh, Yeah. Well, or some people call it intelligence. Oh yeah. There we go. (laughs) Anyway. So I got on the phone and the nice thing about when you're involved in the industry is you've made a few connections, you've had lunch or dinner with some people or stood around classes and things like that. So I called a guy that I had heard talking when we were sitting around at lunch one day that he was building a lazy river in the British Virgin Islands for a couple. And so I called him up and I said, hey, I've someone that's interested in this. I've got this brochure about a guy kayaking in a pool. The product's called River Flow. And I said, who did you use in the British Virgin Islands? And he said, that's exactly who we used. And I said, did it work? And he said, like a charm. And I was like, perfect. That's what I need to know. Quite honestly, that's all I need to know. If it worked and it worked like a charm, then that's what I'm going to use too. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. It's amazing. The cool thing about this product is you can create current 
And what they do is they take the water in and out of the pool through a 12-inch pipe, very large pipe. And the pump is set outside of the pool. And so, but it's close to the pool. Oh, very close. Yeah. Cause you don't want to run this 12 Correct. inch pipe very far. Mm-hmm. 12 inch pipe, expensive. Yep. Especially, I mean, those fittings, it's amazing. You're talking hundreds of dollars for a fitting. So, anyway. Well, and you're getting maximum efficiency out of the pump, too. Right. So, the nice thing then is there's nothing in the pool itself to limit the motion in the, the space that you're working in. Mm-hmm. So, these work very effectively for lazy rivers. That's what I've used on all the lazy rivers that I've done. But I also do work extremely well. We've got a only room for a 30-foot pool and we want to use it for exercise. Could we use something with current that we swim against? And the nice thing about this piece of equipment is it's a variable speed. So you can adjust it? You can adjust it to whatever speed that you want. So then when you're swimming, different people swim at different levels. I certainly do not swim at the level that my daughter swims at or a lot of other people. I've learned to get a little past what my mom taught me by just throwing me in the ocean, but not very far past that. So I'm not a triathlete or anything like that, but my capabilities to swim are a lot lower than other people's. So I can swim at a lower rate. Anyway, it's a cool thing that it's not very visible and it functions extremely well if you're going to use it for that aspect. But the other thing that came up is I had some clients that put one in and the kids used it to boogie board against. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty crazy. They were kayaking against it. And what level in, I was just thinking about the surf parks and what they're doing with those things that would be fun to talk about sometime. Yeah, definitely. So that's one form of current. So since we're talking about Lazy River, for a little bit, I'm just going to throw a few things out to think about if you're going to do a lazy river. One of the things is you want a certain width from a minimum standpoint. So I've had people come and they're like, can we do a lazy river and make it four feet wide? Like, no, that doesn't really work very well. Right. Six is about as narrow as you want to make. And it's cool if you've got the space to even make it six and then taper mm-hmm. to eight and create some eddies and slow spaces. and Benches. Places to hang out at. So there's a lot of things that you want to think about when you're building a river exit, how to get in and out of a current situation. But what's fun is there's three different types of rivers that I've run across so far. So there's the river and the pool that are totally separated. The cool thing is you can ride around in that river all day long and you're not going to interrupt anybody. And you're going to go through from the pool into the river, usually through about an opening that's maybe six feet or so that you're going to swim in. And now you're in the current and you can float around the island and have a good, enjoyable time. So that's probably the most fun river to ride around, but it's also probably the most expensive river to do. The second river is I call it the coffee cup. Okay, you have the body of the pool, and then you have the handle, mm-hmm. and the handle is the river. You know, so you're going to go right around, but then you're going to come into the main body of the pool, and you're going to float through the main body of the pool. Sure. If you've got a setup where you're not using the main body of the pool a lot, then it works great. So you just, when everybody's floating, they float through. When nobody's using the river, you can still play water basketball and that type of thing, but it's hard to have the two activities occur at the same time unless it's a really big pool. I have done that as well. You set up one pump to take you through the river, and then you set up another pump to blow you across the pool type situation. So anyway, that's a fun one. The, the third issue is, and I'm working on one right now like this, is the river goes around the pool. I call it the donut. So the pool is in the middle, mm-hmm. then the river wraps around the whole pool. River runs through it? No, it runs around it. It's got a small opening, again, like the first one that you go from the river, which is the outer ring, and then the pool's on the inner ring, and then you usually have a little bit of decking that's in the inside there as well, but basically you don't have much of an island right? that situation. It's almost all water. And the big thing that's challenged with everybody is what do you do with the island? Because if you put plants in there, like the first river I did, you got to get water to drain out of there, Mm -hmm. which has to drain under a river. Right. So that means you usually have to have some slope. But this is the only river that you don't want slope on. You want a flat site 
to build a lazy river on. Hillsides don't work real well. No. So anyway, so those are three different types of rivers. You just got to think about which one's going to work best for you. And we'll dive into those a lot more later on. And those river flow pumps seem to be the perfect answer to those. Oh, they work great. Yeah. Have you installed like multiple units on one? I've never done one without multiple units. Okay. I've done at least two, sometimes three. I've done one with four, just depending on the length of the river. Yeah, I wish they had been around years ago when I did my first Lazy River. Yeah, although it seems like you got the hydraulics down. It just took a lot more massive of a It's probably overdone. Situation. I mean, in the pictures, you can see the movement of water. I mean, it's moving. That's good because there's a lot of people in the industry that went the other way that thought they'd figure it out and... I put 10 pair and tear pumps on and turned them all on and it's just not going anywhere. When you have that much water that you're trying to move, that's a pretty big task. But they're also using it for activities now. You can kayak against it and things like that. So that's a fun situation. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I guess another type of jet, if we're talking current, would be like a Badu pump style jet. Correct. As I understand it, there's some that are built inside actually part of it and some that you can drop down in the pool. I've not done the drop down one before. I've just done the built in one. So there's another piece of equipment. It's it's a box that you put inside the pool called a fast lane. And the fast lane was developed for above ground portable spas, swim spa. So they deliver the whole thing. They drop it on your property, and now you have a exercise spa situation. They realized if they took that unit inside of the fast lane unit and set it up where it would work in a gunite pool, they'd create a little bit more market share. So sure. I've used, I probably do about one of those a year. Now the challenge is you have this box that's creating the current that is in the pool, mm-hmm. and it's about 24, 27 inches wide. It's about 12 inches deep and about three feet tall. And so it's put on the side of the wall. So it's a little bit in the way. It's just a big box sitting there. Yeah. But if you're just going to swim against it because you're looking for the current, it seems like a reasonable alternative and there's many ways to do stuff. Sure. So this is a little less cost than what a river flow pump system is. So it's installed because I haven't done one. It's installed not permanently, though. You can pull it out, or it is installed permanently. You can pull it out, but it is installed to be there generally all the time. Oh, yeah. So I've never known anybody to take it in and out. So the, the ones that you did those service. in, were those brand new pool projects? They were brand new pool So you projects. built a, probably a space or a, a spot that made sense to have it in? Some of the times it's just at the end of the pool, mm-hmm. but I've done three of them that we recessed a cavity back and then put a stone lid over the top of it. Mm. And so it wasn't in the main body of the pool. Now, when you do that, you have to have a certain amount of distance on both sides. I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, from a safety standpoint, so no one can get trapped in there. I think they want 12 or 18, maybe 24. It's in the gu- design guidelines. So is that a, does that have suction on three sides, though, inside the pool? No, it's taking the water from down below and it, Basically sends it out the top type situation. Oh, it's yeah, it's like an all in one, all in got it. It's like got a, it. It's like a I haven't seen that. It turns. So it's really cool. I had the first guy that wanted one was a triathlete and he had found this thing and he was trying to figure out if he could do it with a portable spa. And then he was like, We're building a pool. Is there any way you can combine this? And I talked to him and I was like, Oh, yeah, we can. And so that was the first one that I did. And like I said, I, I usually do about one or two a year. There's a real funny YouTube video called Mike versus the machine. And I was trying to swim against one. Again, it has a variable speed current. Again, my pool story, pool show stories. The pool show is a great place to get information. So I walk around and I'm just looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. I drive, go by this booth and there's this kid in a pool that's got water in it going after it swimming. And I'm like, wow, he's swimming pretty hard there. They said, yeah, he's training for the Olympics. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So they said he uses our piece of equipment to help him train for the Olympics. I was like, oh, that's cool. So the next year they came and they had Michael Phelps and the booth with them. He was the kid. He was the kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a story. Yeah. So he's a big guy. He's like 6'6". Big tall man. He's a big guy. But it's amazing that he's trained with it. In fact, 
I think up until last year, he almost came to every year to the show and mm. would be in their booth or for a brief period of time, like one day type situations. But I'll be sure to visit them. Again, it just allows a variable speed that you can control whatever flow rate that you need. So anyway, that's a fun thing to swim against. So another layer of safety that you may want to consider is inside the pool. When we have a raised wall, we talked about this briefly earlier. The finger ledge. Yes, a finger ledge. Or you have to have something when you have a raised wall that someone can stop and rest, especially a small child is where we're wanting to make sure the one that don't know how to swim didn't get thrown in the ocean. I think that finger ledge is good. And the problem with people in the pool is that when you're in jeopardy, it happens really quick. And so if you're scratching around trying to find a place to hang on to, and you're at a section of the pool that's got a raised wall, and all you've got is tile to hang on to, you're going to slip away pretty quick. And yeah. so that, that is a very important safety aspect for a raised wall next to a pool. So a lot of people are like, but it's going to mess up my clean lines, having something stick out there. So one of the things I've done on several projects is my finger ledges blow water. Which looks good. So you can't see it, but it's there. So you can show the family that it's there so they know. Or just if you're trying to grab something, there's something there that you can hold on to. We just re- to get a place where you can catch your breath. Right. We just recess the wall back like three inches. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the ledge there that you can hold on to. So there's the other thing you can do is simply just put a bench there. Now we can rest on the bench. So is there a rule here? where the depth of the pool would dictate any part of that. Actually, I think it's the industry code says if there's a pool over five feet, you have to have an exit point on the deep end. Right. So So an exit point could be a bench. Yes. And then if you do a step out, you'd have that top step. Right. So the other day, someone said you could do a ladder. Now, you could, although I haven't seen a ladder on a pool in at least 15 years. Yeah, I saw a couple a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, when you were doing your old pool tour. Yes. 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 But I think modern design now, when we're talking about pools in the last 10, 15 years, we're seeing more steps and benches because I think people are looking more as pools as, I mean, yeah, there's those who are going to exercise, but we just, Kevin, Mike, we just want to enjoy it. We want to sit out there with our friends. We want a TV to watch. So we're putting in a lot more steps and benches into pools. But yeah, you want them at either end. But that's the thing. If you go look at a lot of old pools, your kidney-shaped pool has got three round steps going into it. And if you're lucky, a ladder at the other end. So one thing that I find just from a safety standpoint is I like to have exit points on opposite ends and opposite sides. Agreed. I tell people, oh, your kids and grandkids will like to swim back and forth and across those anyway. But if you have something on either end, so if you're in the middle, you got a place to go to. Or one side or the other, at least there's some place to go out. In an ideal world, you have both. Absolutely. Those are just some other things to think about. And I think a lot of people think of ladders and rails and all those kinds of things as being, oh, those are old. They make a pool look old. But there's a lot of new products out on the market in the last few years. And some of those rails are very nice looking. They're modern looking. They look new and they're nice. Oh, the handrails go. Oh, yes. Well, even the ladders, there's a lot more options on that stuff nowadays. You don't have just the old figure four handrail to deal with. So yeah, there's some really architecturally elegant looking handrails that are available that make it nice from a safety standpoint that you're entering and exiting the pool. You have something to hold on to. Mm-hmm. That's something that I see coming in my life in the future, but not quite yet. Now the cool thing is you can add a handrail. It's not that difficult to do. So if you've got a pool and you're having a harder time getting in and out, you can have a handrail at it. That's true. So another question of the day. Yeah, now we got to think about it. So one question that came up by a designer listening to our site analysis podcast. Thank you, Moses. And he was asking me, do you like when people go into the backyard when you're doing the site analysis? Is that something that's beneficial for them to participate in? So... It's probably a question that gets brought up once in a while. A homeowner doesn't know. No. Do you want me out there? Do you not want me out there? What's your take on it? My take is that people are often surprised at how much time I spend at their yard. And so they're typically not going to spend all that time out there with me. I like to walk a yard with a client first. 
just get myself familiar with it and ask questions about where certain things are because they might know if you can't find them. So just to ask all those questions and then if they want to help, there's times I'm just set up to where I can do it all on my own. So I just would rather be mentally present doing that rather than trying to answer a bunch of questions and maybe getting sidetracked. But it's a fine line. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. You don't want to make them feel like they don't want your help. I don't know, but my preference would be just give me an hour and a half out here and we'll have another chat and give them an opportunity to ask questions, you know, on the way out the door. I find that I mess up if I've got a client in the backyard. I always forget something. So I'm not as focused on what I'm doing. And what I usually tell them is sometimes they're on a time schedule is I'm going to want to talk to you for a certain length of time, but if pinched on a time situation, you can leave and leave me in the backyard and I can find my way out of the backyard. Sure. I can spend the time that I need there, especially when I've got hillside and trees. Like you said, I may be there over an hour easily. So some yards are very simple because there's nothing there except grass because they just moved in and nothing got put in. But uh, auto yards take a lot of time to figure things out. Absolutely, they do. So I think it's beneficial for most homeowners to give us some time out there so we can take in everything. As we mentioned earlier, sometimes I just got to get a feel of a space. And that's just being out in the space and, and enjoying that space, the good things and the bad things about it, so I can figure out the best solutions for everybody. Absolutely. You're in better prepared mentally to paint some sort of verbal picture of what you're thinking to make sure that you're in the same area that they're in. Thank you, Moses, for the question. Thank you, Moses. This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner, and hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you, and that's the end goal here, and we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.